0: VinePair's New York City headquarters. I'm Adam Teeter.
1: and in Seattle, Washington, I'm Zach Travall.
0: That's the Friday Vibe Pair podcast, and you know, Zach, like I feel like today's topic is a, a good one because it's I, I'm feeling like we're really close to like outdoor drinking weather. <laughs> you, Speak for yourself, man. How much? How, like, how many weeks of winter is it in Seattle? Like, fifty-one.
1: No, well, it's really. This is actually very unseasonably cold, late April. Like, it's been in the. Mid forties for the last week and a half. That's very unusual. We had a few days, or like about a That's week before nice. that, where it was more like in the mid fifties into the sixties. But it's gotten cold again. Um, and you know, I'm not, I'm not going to claim I'm loving it. It's kind of, kind of rough.
0: And how long is it going to last for?
1: <sighs> Who knows, man. Hopefully not much longer. May is usually pretty solid, so we're not that far away. But again, re- appropriate for today's topic in some way.
0: I know. What we want to talk about today is the continued ascent of hard alcohol-based seltzers, so non-malt based, with one specific one as, again, our example, which is the High Noon, but specifically tequila. So I think, you know, off the bat, what's really interesting is uh, High Noon has released tequila-based hard seltzers. For uh, those who are aware or only slightly aware of High Noon, um, it is the number one selling spirit-based seltzer, using seltzer in quotes, um, in the United States. It has grown incredibly fast. It sort of shows no signs of slowing down, but uh, until now had only been made with vodka. Um, And recently they released a tequila-based version of it. And I'm going to say something pretty blasphemous, I think. And I think the blasphemy is that this to me is proof that like, High Noon can sell itself however it wants, but this has proved to me that it's actually an RTD. That High Noon is is a is a spirit, is is a cocktail, right? It's a low alcohol cocktail. They figured out how to make it, you know, four and a half percent, so it's sessionable, just like other seltzers. But I think because they're playing with spirits and flavors so much, I really think of this as like probably the best selling also RTD in the country. Yeah. You know it, it and a lot of the flavors they're playing with are flavors you think of when you think of sort of like sessionable tequila cocktails, like really refreshing tequila cocktails. And you know i'm I'm gonna say, I think high noon, I'm surprised it took High noon this long, yeah, to do tequila. I think, you know, it fe- it felt so obvious for so long. so i'm I'm wondering why it's taken them so long to do this. And the other thing I'm a little curious about when just looking at it, because we're going to taste them uh, in a bit, is I am curious how this is going, how the tequila is going to come through in the in how low of alcohol these are. Yeah. So you know, I think vodka doesn't really need to do much for flavor, but tequila does have a flavor that I think most people like. So I'm curious what's going to happen because if you if you look at the you know, the cans, it says it's blanco tequila with real fruit juice, sparkling water and natural flavors. And I'm wondering if the water is gonna dilute out some of the tequila flavor. So so we'll see. Um yeah. but I mean I guess just from the top, Zach, like are you, what do you think? You think you think that again as well, it seems like this should have happened much sooner than it did?
1: Well so I think there's the the sort of two two part answer to this in my eyes. There's the answer that gives high noon sort of the benefit of the doubt which i'm a little bit inclined to do before we've tasted it which is that perhaps getting the exact formulations dialed in so that maybe the tequila characteristic that we're talking about is present in these getting the fruit flavors right Mm -hmm. you know we've tasted a fair number of seltzers on this podcast over the last couple years and i think we could say fairly that there's been a pretty wide swath of quality levels um, ranging from quite good to borderline undrinkable yeah and some of that is you know what each seltzer is setting out to do and we might not be the target audience for some of them but on the other hand some of it is also just frankly how well can you dial in a product that delivers what the packaging says it's going to deliver and it may be that because as you pointed out tequila is a slightly trickier thing to work with than vodka that you the consumer might expect a little bit more or just expect something different from a tequila seltzer than they do from a vodka seltzer. There's that. The other part of it is just, you know, the, the less charitable, I guess, is that they're just late to the party, but no one has really beaten them there. And given the way that High Noon has really kind of grabbed a hold of whatever the segment of the market you choose to put it in, whether it's, you know, hard seltzers, whether it's RTDs, whether it's both does lead me to believe that maybe this has been, even if it took a while, maybe it's been in the works for a while and that's been known to other Mm -hmm. companies who are not interested in going toe-to-toe with the kind of current industry leader in this specific niche.
0: Yeah, so my other thing is, you know, I know that this has been bandied around for a while, but what's also interesting to me is that this has really most other companies who have done this previously have branded this as ranch water. Yeah. And so I'm really interested to sort of understand why high noon didn't. And if that is probably because it is what I assume, which is that what we've been saying all along is true. And that is that no one outside of Texas knows what the fuck ranch water is, Mm -hmm. nor do they care. Right. I, I, as I've said for, you know, countless episodes where we talk about tequila my go to wedding drink is blanco tequila with soda water and lime because it's delicious, especially outdoor weddings in the summer, and it's sessionable, and I've always called it tequila soda. I've yeah. never called it ranch water, and I think that this is again like I think the ranch water train that everyone jumped on was is again sort of like the big alcohol. And brand managers specifically jumping on these regional trends and thinking they're going to become national without taking the time to understand why that drinks trend truly is only ever going to be a regional trend. You know, for me, like Ranch Water, the reason Ranch Water is so Texas is because it everything about what that drink sounds like is Texas, right? Like yeah. Texans, I'm sorry man. It's if if you are in New York, everyone, well, do you guys do you remember the, the movie Urban Cowboy?
1: I never saw that one.
0: Neither did I, but I rem- like you know what I'm thinking like if you're if you see someone walking through New York City wearing cowboy boots and a cowboy hat, you probably assume they are either a lost or b like a musician right for the most yeah. part you do not assume they are just someone that lives and breathes and you know in new york and yeah. that's because like we don't that like that cowboy culture doesn't exist here or they're like a massive fan of yellowstone which yeah. you know again i guess cuz it is the most popular show in the country um but it's also like a i'm not into yellowstone but anyways uh tangent aside i think that like but ranch water Really does have a cultural cachet in Texas because like the idea of the ranch and cowboy culture, et cetera, is like very deeply Texas, you know, like it's what we think of when we think of people like like characters like Tim Riggins from, uh, you know, Friday Night Lights and stuff like that. It's a very like Texas thing in the same way that. You know, we've always argued too that like while the gin and tonic is popular in the United States, the idea that it will ever become as big as it is in Europe is probably also pretty far fetched, right? Like you, you've never seen the wide adoption of like the large balloon shaped glasses and you know the sort of crazy accoutrements added to those balloon shaped glasses to to make a crazy gin tonic. Like what you see in the U.S. is like a glass with a lime wedge and like some tonic off the gun. Like, that's what you see when yeah. you see a gin and tonic. And so I think, like, what High Noon potentially is doing here, which is really interesting to me, is probably, like, ignoring a lot of the the sort of cool kid noise and maybe just looking at the data. And I'd be curious uh, if anyone here who listens to the podcast works for High Noon, if, if you want to answer that question. Because, again, like, this is much more, to me, resembling of a kind of cocktail I order over the summer, right, that, that tequila soda now I'm also surprised they just didn't say tequila soda but I'm wondering if they didn't do that because in a can format the name soda on a can would just sort of make people think that maybe it's sweet and has actual soda pop inside mm-hmm. it, but I think it's, I think that is really interesting because you really do not see a lot of people yet calling it a tequila seltzer, most people are, if they're using tequila as the base of these seltzer drinks they are calling it a ranch water
1: well, I think there's that problem for ranch water, which I think to some extent goes beyond just its regional appeal and that the name obfuscates what's in it. If you're not familiar in a way that when you're dealing with these specific ingredients, centering tequila, given its, you know, kind of runaway success and popularity seems like a bad idea. Like, would people drink gin and totics if they were called, you know, the dandy tipple or something that really made them sound yeah. <laughs> British? I mean, maybe uh, we can ask Tim what he thinks. Um, although he doesn't like gin and tonics particularly so maybe he's the wrong person to ask but the the point of it is is like part of what makes a gin and tonic work as a cocktail even if it's not as big here as it is other places is you know 100% what you are getting when you order that and if you order a tequila soda you know exactly what you're going to get and similarly tequila seltzer with the flavor listed below it gives you at least again this is before we've tried it we could taste these and be like, actually, these taste nothing like what's on the packaging. What a mistake. But but I think if you said, you know, we we tried some of the flavored ranch waters, and I think it's just kind of like a weird, confusing mishmash of things where unless you're really familiar with what ranch water is, you don't really know what to expect. And to be candid, the moment I kind of knew the ranch water, the canned ranch water craze was kind of not going anywhere was when the officially licensed Topo Chico ranch water itself didn't use tequila. And we're just kind of like, we've really lost the thread here. We've confused what makes the drink popular, i.e. that it's a tequila cocktail, with what we think is popular, which is, I don't know, the name Ranch Water or some shit. Like, it was, that was a, just an absolute unforced error. And I don't understand still why that decision was made. But, you know, the point of, the point I'm trying to make here is that I think Heinen has wisely understood what of the ingredients in the drink are going to sell it. And it's the tequila part, the seltzer part, and the flavor part. It's not a name that evokes a part of the country that isn't where all of their consumers live.
0: Yep, exactly. And I think it's also interesting. They're doing some pretty, you know, interesting flavors. I'm, I'm curious how all of them are going to stack up because we, we have all four of them here. Yeah. Um, Should we get into this? uh, Yeah, I guess uh, you know what, let's, let's, let's see what's going on. So I think we should end with the classic, which I would say is. Yeah, I agree. So we have in front of us, passion fruit, strawberry, lime, and grapefruit.
1: So I'm going to suggest that we go grapefruit, passion fruit, strawberry, lime.
0: Okay, cool.
1: So I think we'll start with another classic, of course, combo, which is grapefruit and tequila, but a little less than the, the absolute standard of, of course, tequila and lime. So, yeah, let's, let's just get into it. I'm going to crack this open right now. Okay, let's try. It smells very grapefruity. That's always a plus.
0: Okay, so I'm going to say immediately off the bat, This tastes exactly like the high noon grapefruit regular to me. I don't have them (laughs) side by side, but I think right now my immediate reaction is that my hypothesis for this one was right, which is that I'm not getting a lot of tequila. I'm not getting any agave notes, which, again, like, might not be what you're looking for, but, I mean, they literally – they have a nom on the can, like – And for those of you who are not familiar with what a nom is, anytime tequila is is produced or used and packaged, there's a, a nom, which is a number, that then you can refer to. So if you would search like NOM, and then the number, which on this one is 1489, in Google, it will send you to a site that will tell you the exact distillery in Mexico where the tequila was produced and how that tequila was produced, whether it was produced using like you know, traditional methods, whether it was produced using diffusers, whether, you know, tohona, uh, oven roasting, uh, mechanical mashing, all that kind of stuff. So, like, they've put enough tequila in it that they're using this nom, um classification But, yeah, I just don't – I don't get as much tequila as I think I would want. That being said, it's still tasty.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the thing to me is I get – I feel like I get a little bit of – Of the agave character on the finish of
0: the just the end. You're right. I'm picking it up just at the end,
1: but I agree that it's definitely not front and center. And again, to be fair, as you said at the beginning, I don't think I would have reasonably expected a a you know a can that's you know whatever this is what 355 milliliters. I can't even do that math off the top of my head, but whatever it is, essentially a 12 ounce can that's you know four and a half percent alcohol. It's not going to have that much tequila in it in the first place, and when you're adding in grapefruit juice and some natural flavors and stuff. Yes, it's probably going to, you know, you're going to kind of obscure a fair bit of the, whatever tequila character is there. But yeah, I mean, I think, again, it comes back to this question of, is the tequila on the label, like, is the appeal to High Noon of making tequila seltzers that they feel like there is a, a segment of the market that would buy this product that would not buy High Noon vodka seltzer. I think the answer has to be yes, right? Like, they have to believe they can grow into a market that might be like, mm, I don't want a vodka seltzer. I'm either like a diehard tequila fan, or I just, I prefer what drinking a tequila seltzer says about me, or whatever the kind of motivation is, or I think it'll be more healthy or taste better, or whatever. And so, I think it's being able to put tequila on the label means a lot. Obviously, mm-hmm. I agree with you that at, a, at its core, this is not that distinguishable from the high noon just vodka seltzer that's grapefruit-flavored. Although, again, I don't know that we should have expected it to be. It's not like they're using a truly you know, either a, a larger portion of spirit or something that would be like... It's not high noon Akavit seltzer or whatever.
0: Yep. I looked up NOM 1489 to, to see um, what it is. So it's uh, Distilleria Leros. Uh-huh. Um, and they make it in... It's in Jalisco. Okay. It says that they are open to contracts. So they will... They will do private labels here for people. Okay, and so also made at, at this te- at this distillery Casa Dragones. Okay, you know one of the uh, you know sort of premium super premium tequilas made here. Some weird ones too, Cat Tequila, <laughs> Chrome oh, Horse I've seen Society, that before. Yep, Curamia. Don for Men, think,
1: looks like Casa Zul, which I've had before.
0: But not, but, but but not the other, not like the fa- fancy, fancy one, yeah. um, Republic. Huh, interesting. Yeah. So, but what I think is really interesting is not actually any of the tequilas that I know of that Gallo sells as their own mm-hmm. tequilas. Like I don't see Camarena and the Comos. They're now invested in. I don't see that either. So interesting. So they, so they're getting Blanco tequila from just this location. Yeah. And because they're putting it into the, uh, so it says the distillery equipment. So they use a diffuser for extraction. So um, which makes sense, right there. So for those who are unfamiliar, diffuser is the more efficient way to extract. So when you oven roast and then you either mechanically mash or to mash, it just takes a lot longer. Um, you can extract the sugars a lot faster with a diffuser. Uh, it's like hot, warm steam and things like that to the, to break out the sugars in the agave. Um, and they make uh, two different kinds of tequila. They make 100% agave and mixto tequila. They only use column stills, and then they use American white oak barrels, um, new barrels, and, oak, and then deep well water. And so, I think mean, that's what's interesting, is a lot of people don't realize that Casa de Dragones is um, is a diffuser tequila. Yeah. But, again, that makes sense, right? It's a tequila that's going into a seltzer. So, yeah, you would sort of be
1: concerned in a way if it was something that was like an ultra premium tequila that would seem strange.
0: Yeah, and again it's the same place where they're making Casa Dragones that people are willing to pay hundreds of dollars for, so good on you High Noon. Yeah, I mean, but I think I do think it is still for me so far, first one, enjoy it wanted a little more tequila I'm getting a little nervous that the Passion Fruit is going to be really heavy in the Passion Fruit and almost no tequila, but let's get into it Let's find out So I'm just not a passion fruit person, but.
1: Yeah. I, I, I would say it's like a a middle of the road flavor as far as my preferences. Like, Yeah. Yeah. I just, I think it's less exciting than it could be. Or I mean, it could be. I don't know if that's the way, but like I just, there are other flavors I prefer. Let's put it that way. Other, you, other tropical type flavors that I think are more compelling.
0: It's interesting because then I went back to the grapefruit and now I'm getting more of the tequila. And I guess what I want from the grapefruit is like one of my favorite drinks in the summer is, um, like the spindrift grapefruit with just tequila, mm-hmm. and this is this is reminiscent of that. So yeah, I would drink the hell out of the grapefruit. Um, the passion fruit, yeah, I agree. It's just a little bit. I can see who it's for. It's just not for me. Um, all right, let's try the strawberry. Hmm. Hmm.
1: I feel like I'm getting more agave on this than I did on either of the first two.
0: I agree. I'm getting a good amount of agave like a decent amount of agave. I wonder if that's because the the strawberry flavor just because it is natural juice, right? That it's just strawberry as a flavor, as a juice flavor, isn't as strawberry y as we've been taught to uh understand strawberry flavor when it comes to like fake flavors. Yeah. Right. Um, it's it's kind of it's kind of like strawberry margarita esque.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I'm wondering if in some of these, like they thought about, and this is where I'm gonna get. Like, I think I would doctor this, uh, but we'll get there in a second. So wait, I'll I'll reserve my point until we try the last one. Let's try the last. Well, one.
1: I think it's a good point though that straw the strawberry flavor in here is actually pretty subdued for again how we think about. Strawberry sometimes being a very bold flavor, whether it's in cocktails or in, you know, kind of canned beverages in general is like a, you know, kind of a dominant flavor. And you were talking about like a strawberry margarita. And actually, to me, this actually doesn't particularly remind me of a strawberry margarita, because I feel like typically when you make that, you're either making, you know, you're either kind of like muddling strawberries in or you're getting um, maybe using a strawberry syrup or something, both of which I think have more... Intensity of strawberry flavor than this, which is like surprisingly delicate. And and I want to be clear, I don't think it's inherently a bad thing. I think actually the balance on it for how kind of quaffable the the seltzers are is not a bad thing, but it is way less in my face than I just if you had asked me which of these I expected to be the most intensely fruit flavored, Mm -hmm. the strawberry would have been my guess before I opened it, and I think it is not to this point.
0: I agree. I final lime. All right, lime time. This is the one that I was anticipating I would like the most. Tastes the most like tequila by far. By far.
1: Oh, yeah. Is that what you think just because tequila and lime is such an iconic combo for us that it's just like you taste those two things in concert and you're like, yeah, I get it.
0: Like, this is really good. Yeah. The, te- the tequila and lime is really good. Like, really good. And so now what I would do is I would combine the tequila and lime with the tequila strawberry. Oh, okay. Tequila, strawberry, lime. Come on, Gallo. There you go. Just that, a, that was for free. That was for free. A, a, a casual double seltzer. <laughs> yeah, that was for free, guys. Um, but, yeah, th- this is what I think, you know, and I'm sure there's there's a lot of other places that do this, but this, the flavor really, is really on point here. Um, these are going to kill for them. Yeah. <laughs> Like, yeah, I think that
1: part is not in doubt. Like I,
0: I, it was just one of those things where
1: you're like, okay, you've already proven you can make this, make this work with vodka and fruit juice. Like, I don't think, you know, as long as you pick your flavors and make them with some degree of, of care, I, yeah, yeah, they're, they're really good. They're, they're exactly what you want them to be. And I think obviously they're hitting the market at the right time. Like not that tequila is a seasonal drink anymore, but I think This kind of seltzer, as you pointed out, like, you know, weather is most places, is if not already nice, is getting there, drinking outside is a big thing. And again, something we've talked about on the pod before, but I think really has to be mentioned over and over again, because I think it has not sunk into some of our audience at times, is that one of the big selling points for these kinds of drinks is their incredible ease of consumption in that setting, right? Yeah, You can throw them in a backpack, you can throw them in a cooler, you can... You know, take them pretty much anywhere, and it's just yes i I hear all of those of you who get in our mentions or email us or whatever and are like, but you know a tequila a seltzer never is as good as the you know what Adam was describing before the you know the actual tequila soda lime at a whether it's at a wedding or wherever else, but there are a lot of use cases for drinks where you don't have a bar with you, and if you kind of don't recognize that these are really appealing to people in not just in those settings, but also in bar settings in some cases, again, because of the consistency and ease and just the reality that you don't have to think about it, but especially in those settings where a cocktail to order is just an impossibility or a near impossibility. like We are better as a drinking public for having options like this that are, I think, way more compelling than maybe some of the first generation of seltzers.
0: Yep, I agree. So now, one thing, though, that I don't understand when I'm thinking about this is So High Noon has done this. I think this will be another very successful skew for them. And we've seen some other people try, right? There's a few other tequila seltzers. Again, I think the ranch water thing is an issue. My question, don't you think that if another spirits company were to take one of their high-performing spirits... And brand it with their spirit and do a tequila soda or a tequila seltzer with, let's say, Don Julio or Patron or, you know, I mean, I, maybe you wouldn't do like super high end like or Casamigos. Don't you think those would also crush? Because people already like that liquid. They know that liquid. And if you could sit on the beach drinking a four and a half percent. Casamigos tequila seltzer, I think people would. Now, look, the liquid might be more expensive, but then again, like it can just be branded Casamigos and be a different tequila than the Casamigos tequila that goes in the bottle. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I I still remain so blown away by the fact that the majority of brands that are winning in the RTD space, because remember I'm calling this an RTD, are still brands. Besides on the rocks, which to be fair only had the names of the spirits in it once it was bought by Beam Suntory, right? Are brands that are not spirits brands. They it's unbelievable to me, and like kudos to those brands. And I and I'm just like, huh, is this because so many of these other. The only brand I think that seemed to do it well, two I guess, is Bombay Sapphire and Tanqueray with their gin and tonics. But again, as I said earlier in the program, I don't think the gin and tonic is as beloved by American consumers as a lot of marketers want it to be. I think it's a I think it's a European drink, but I think the tequila soda, 100, percent is. And if like if you are looking for a competitor to like not just you know other seltzers. But a competitor to Modello and Corona and, you know, all of these summer like beach beers, nothing I feel like screams drinking on the beach like tequila soda. And the fact that no tequila brand has a branded tequila soda kind of boggles my mind.
1: Yeah, I mean, I wonder at some level if whether there is just so much concern from the people who – run and manage those tequila brands about cheapening the image of the brand that like the aforementioned Patron, like the package Patron soda would either have to come in at a price point that might feel non-competitive with something like High Noon, or, you know, I don't think Patron would ever do what you suggested that Casamigos do because they're too you know, conscientious in a way about the quality and the reputation of the tequila. And so it kind of becomes a difficult circle to square when you're trying to make a shelf competitive, price competitive RTD using a spirit that just has a higher price point than this perfectly fine but unnamed, you know, kind of uh, contract distilled tequila. I also think the other piece of it that I'm not sure about, And again, Mm -hmm. I'm not sure about that. So again, listeners, if you have thoughts on this, we'd love to hear podcast And it's a topic you and I have discussed a few different times over the last few years, and I'm still not sure how I feel about it, is where does brand loyalty come into play here, right? Are people who like this kind of drink brand loyal to High Noon because they've enjoyed High Noon products before and are more willing to take the step into a tequila seltzer with High Noon? Or are they brand loyal to a tequila? and i mean i think the the answer is probably some of both of course but there's a part of me that wonders if the other thing that these brands these tequila brands are being cautious about is not just rep, the reputation of the tequila that would be in the product but also like not getting their asses handed to them by a wine company like yeah. <laughs> i think that is a a consideration here
0: well look they they're not just wine company anymore they are a spirits company i know as but, well. you, but but that is how they are thought of oh yeah Glibly, And I think if you are a big
1: spirits company or even a big spirits brand, and you're like, yeah, we tried to go toe to toe with high noon and gallo and they kicked our ass because whatever they understand this market segment better or their product was better or their product was more price competitive or they had better distro or whatever, like, you don't want to be coming back to your shareholders and to your, you know, to the top execs being like, yeah, we tried it and they kicked our ass. Like, I'm not saying that's what would
0: happen. Right. High noon still destroyed us. Right. It's totally true. Look, I have to say, I mean, we featured um, him in the VP50 this year, uh, Britt West, who is the head of Spirit of Gallo. He's done a fucking phenomenal job, yeah. And the um, what he has done with that division is extremely impressive. And the fact that you know, again, he came, he comes from a spirits back, you know, spirits companies before this, uh, always spirits. So he obviously knows what he's doing. But yeah, I think that I think that that can't be understated. Actually, you're right. Like, if you are Diageo and you launch a Casamigos canned seltzer, and right now, right, Casamigos as a tequila is on fire. Right, it's yep. it's growing super fast. It's taking away share from a lot of super premium tequilas like Casa Azul, etc. It's just booming, right? And you're like, fuck it, we're going all in on canned seltzer too. And then High Noon kicks your ass that hurts the overall brand you're right so at that point you're just like yeah maybe we'll stay in our lane and let them own summer yeah crazy well if you've tried these let us know what you think if you tried other tequila seltzers a tequila sodas, let us know what you think if you tried ranch water i don't want to hear about it <laughs> uh, you know but hit us up podcast at podcast if dot and uh have a great weekend zach and i'll talk to you on monday sounds great Thanks so much for listening to the Vine Pair Podcast, the flagship podcast of the Vine Pair Podcast Network. If you love listening to this show, or even if you don't, but I really hope that you do, as much as we really do love making it, then please drop us a review or a rating wherever it is that you get your podcast, whether that be iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, anywhere. If you are listening to this on a device right now, through an app, however you got this audio, please drop a review. It really helps everyone else discover the show.